Welcome to Radio KBPV, Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village, a podcast about the history of southwestern Alberta, presented by Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village of Pincher Creek, a museum complex that documents the stories of Western Canada's agricultural settlement through the preservation of local buildings and artifacts among a six-acre park. Pincher Creek is a town of 3,700 souls in a vast rural trading area of some 3,000 rural dwellers. A vibrant region of rolling prairie, foothills, the Rocky Mountains, the Pecani First Nation, Waterton Lakes National Park, the Crow's Nest Pass, and the Upper River Watershed of the South Saskatchewan River Basin. Join us in this podcast where we present walking tours of our buildings and hear the stories of the farmers, townsmen, cowboys, mounties, pioneer women, politicians, chroniclers, miners, railroaders, and so many other significant histories of this particular corner of Canada. Well, hello and welcome back to Radio KBP. This is Ranger Gord speaking to you from Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village in beautiful downtown Pincher Creek. And today we're going to give you a few more of uh, Farley's Frontier Canadian Recollections. These are columns written by Farley Wuth, our curator of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village, that regularly appear weekly in both Shootin' the Breeze and in Pincher Creek Echo both of Pincher Creek's uh, fine weekly newspapers. With the recent tragic loss of the King Edward Hotel, Farley wants to reflect on some of the other rural hotels in the surrounding settlements that also met unfortunate losses. And today, from Shooting the Breeze of February 26, 2020, we're going to hear about the Windsor Hotel of Lundbrick. Well, against the backdrop of Lundbrick's coal mining and ranching history, the Windsor Hotel was constructed in 1905 and officially opened in January of 1906. Like many of its counterparts in the neighboring settlements of Cowley, Pincher City, and Pincher Creek, the Windsor's proprietors selected a name reflective of the patriotic British times in which they lived. And thus, the business proudly bore the name of the Windsor, the surname of the royal family of England. The rectangular two-story hotel boasted a number of important hospitality services. On the main floor were the publicly accessible lobby, dining room and bar. A metal and plastic bottle opener was used in the bar during the post-Second World War years and that rare artifact is now at the Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. So just one of the services we perform by saving the uh, artifacts of bygone businesses. Now the public rooms were supplemented by the rear kitchen where meals were prepared. 22 hotel rooms, most of which were on the second floor, provided accommodations for the traveling public. Now one of the most unique structural features that you'll often hear associated with the Windsor Hotel was its two-story outhouse, located at the rear and to the west of the hotel. This outhouse was designed exclusively for the hotel patrons. It's on display in Heritage Park in Calgary, and its second floor was connected to the upper level of the hotel via a wooden footbridge which spanned the ground below. Now this was very much appreciated by hotel guests who didn't have to go downstairs, down the front staircase and then walk through the lobby in the bar to go do their outdoor privy business. Physically the outhouse had an interesting disposable design. Physically the outhouse had an interesting disposal design. And I guess you'd want a two-story outhouse to be have some thought to how it's going to get rid of its refuse. 
Its first floor boasted four stalls, while upstairs there were two. So to prevent spillage, the upper story seats were set behind the lower level seats and a wooden wall was constructed behind those on the first story, which separated them from the upper level disposal shafts. So thankfully, if you're on the top floor, you're not sitting directly above those on the bottom floor, which I think was a great relief to those on the bottom floor. Now, even though the hotel has not been in operation for more than half a century, its sanitary system remains fondly etched in the community's collective memory, and stories of the two-story six-holer are fondly recollected around the uh, kitchen and bar tables around Lundbrick. The Windsor Hotel was located on the west side of Robinson Avenue, near the settlement's small downtown core. Immediately to its south was the Lundbrick Trading Company, another business landmark that for yet several years served as a general mercantile. Well, was the Windsor well patronized? Well, for years it built up a solid reputation as a fine place to stay, enjoy a meal or a liquor service, or to hold meetings and social gatherings. It was most popular with area ranchers who welcomed its local charm and its proximity to their spreads. The hotel's locale was especially convenient for the countless cattle sales and ranchers association meetings that were held there over the decades. Some of these events attracted uh, other people from the area as well who weren't involved with ranching. The Lundbrick branches of the Victorian Order of Nurses and the Red Cross regularly held functions at the Windsor, particularly during the wartime eras or during disease outbreaks. From the early 1900s through the 1920s, coal mining was at its best in Lundbrick, and many miners appreciated boarding at the Windsor. For many single men who could only find temporary work at the mines, the hotel provided much-needed accommodations that were difficult to find elsewhere. Hearty meals were available, and for those who wished to indulge, the bar was a popular watering hole for anyone putting in a hard work day at the nearby mine. Now, the 1911 census from the Dominion of Canada provides a glimpse back at three of those early miners who boarded at the Windsor. The first listed was the Italian-born Angelo Ansolati, whose birth dated to August 1883. He was a Roman Catholic and worked in the mines all 52 weeks during the 1910 calendar year. The second miner, also of Italian ancestry, was Ballastine Gacciano, who was born in July 1881. He'd secured 40 weeks of coal mining work the previous year. And Alexander MacLeod was the third miner, and obviously he's a Scot, and a Presbyterian. He was born in January 1879, contractor who was affiliated with either the coal mines or the Canadian Pacific Railway line that ran through Lundbrick, also boarded at the hotel. Robert Alexander's ancestry was Irish, and he was born in July of 1881. The traveling pu public also patronized the Windsor Hotel. Many of these were hunters who came each autumn in pursuit of big game and populated the nearby foothills and mountains. After the Second World War, the business's slogan, quite correctly, was Where Sportsmen Meet. The backbone of the hotel's business was, was with everyday citizens. However, some of its patronage came from well-known Canadians and Americans, particularly during its early days. One such person to stay at the Windsor was Sir Samuel Hughes, the Minister of Militia in the Dominion Union Government of Sir Robert Borden, which held power during the First World War. Another fa famous visitor was Louis Hill, a brother of James J. Hill, the high-powered railway magnate who built the Great Northern that ran through Glacier National Park. 
The Windsor Hotel was owned by several well-connected pioneers who all had deep roots in Lundbrick and the Crow's Nest Pass. Each worked hard to ensure the outlet's success. The original business partners were Reuben Steves and Thomas Madden, whose commercial arrangement continued until the former's accidental death by drowning in August of 1908. Steves and Madden were brothers-in-law and had married sisters Mary and Ellen Baines, respectively. Steves was a descendant of a father of confederation, and he was a well-known past resident. He arrived in 1901 in Blairmore, where he served as the CPR agent. Later that year, the Steves family moved to Frank, where Reuben built and operated the Imperial Hotel, and the family patriarch also served on that village's first council. There were three children, daughters Eva and Ruby and son Gordon in the Steves family. Madden had come to Lundbrick from Ontario and Manitoba with his young family. He was born in August of 1857. His wife Ellen was more than a dozen years younger, her birth dating to December of 1869. The couple had a family of four, three daughters and one son. Their eldest three children, Hazel, who as an adult became Mrs. O. Sparrow of Vancouver, and Clifford and Pearl all were born in Manitoba. Their youngest daughter, Marguerite, was born in Lundbrick. Thomas Madden had lost an arm in an industrial accident and was forced to seek alternative work, hence his interest in the hotel business. And he passed away suddenly at the family residence on Christmas morning in 1922. Subsequent hotel owners included Joe Diamond, whose business tenure dated to the late 1940s. August 14, 1950, the hotel was sold to Lundberg natives Walter and Bill Cepeda. The hotel continued to be a business success and the family operated until its unfortunate demise in 1963. Employees at the Windsor Hotel were a number of local pioneers who represented many different cultures. One such individual was William Wilson, who served as the establishment's bartender for four years, starting in 1910. He is listed in the 1911 Dominion Census, but he resigned his posting in May 1914, and when he moved to Lethbridge. Another hotel employee from 1910 was Chin Bark, born in China in November of 1865. He worked as the cook in the kitchen for all 52 weeks. The 45-year-old cook worked in the kitchen for all 52 weeks in 1910 and earned $500 in wages. Miss Janet Muir worked as a waitress in the dining room. Her total wages... Miss Janet Muir worked as a waitress in the dining room. Her annual wages totaled $300 in 1910. She was born in Scotland in July of 1876 and immigrated to Canada in the same year securing her employment at the hotel almost immediately. She was born in Scotland in July of 1876 and immigrated to Canada in 1910, securing her employment at the hotel almost immediately. Doris Evans and Eliza Rose both likely worked in the hotel's housekeeping department, although in the 1911 census, the former was listed as a chambermaid and the latter as a servant. Evans was the younger of the two, having been born in November of 1894 in British Columbia. Rose's birth nearly a decade earlier in December of 1984, 1894. Rose's birth nearly a decade earlier in December of 1894 took place in England. Like her colleague Miss Muir, she too immigrated to Canada in 1910. Both Evans and Rose worked all year long at the Windsor Hotel and pulled in $300 apiece in wages. The Windsor Hotel flourished in Lundbrick for over half a century but came to a sad end when it, but tragically, it burned to the ground the morning of February 21, 1963. 
Flames were shooting out the rear of the building and were spotted at 3.30 a.m. And in spite of the valiant efforts of the Cowley, Bellevue and Municipal District of Pincher Creek Volunteer Fire Department, the fire quickly consumed the historic structure. Only the outhouse survived, and which as we've said, is now in Heritage Park in Calgary. The work of the firefighters in a calm night with little wind were credited for the fire being contained at the hotel, sparing the rest of the downtown core. Financial losses in 1963 dollars were pegged at $50,000. Seven guests who stayed at the hotel that fateful night fortunately escaped without injury, but lost most of their personal belongings. News of the hotel's demise was carried in both the Pincher Creek Echo and in the Lethbridge Herald and an intriguing chapter in Lundbrick's commercial heritage had come to a devastating close. Now Farley's not done yet telling us about local area hotels, and from shooting the breeze of March 4th, 2020, he's going to tell you about one of the oldest hotels in Alberta, if not the oldest, Pincher Creek's Alberta Hotel. Now the Alberta Hotel is truly a classic with a history dating back more than a century and a quarter. Constructed in 1885, it was the first of the four old-time hotels to be built in Pincher Creek. And since the uh, recent loss of the King Eddie, it is the last of those classic landmarks still standing. The hotel's location on the south side of Pincher Creek's dusty Main Street was strategic. The Alberta was only a short distance west of the old Union Bank, the Bank of Commerce, and the two-story Scott Block. Across the road were the King Edward and the Arlington Hotels, and farther west still, the LaBelle Block. The Alberta Hotel was one of the first commercial enterprises in what was to become Pincher Creek's frontier downtown core. And most of the surrounding outlets were built after the Alberta came on the scene. The hotel's location may have served as an attraction for further development, rather than, as with the case of the other hotels, being built in an already thriving clusters of frontier businesses. So the Alberta was the trendsetter on the street. The structure of the Alberta Hotel was noted for its functional form and style as a frame building that rested upon a log foundation. Now, as you can probably guess, this, uh, the log foundation was prone to rot, but it served the structure well for several de decades. Only in more modern times was a permanent cement foundation poured under the portions of the building. The two-story hotel faced onto Main Street with a 52-foot frontage Highlighting the rectangular building was its large wooden door, which provided the public access into a small lobby, bar, and dining room. Traditional vertical windows dotted the exterior of both levels. An open second-level veranda traversed the building's full length. Fastened to its wooden railing was a sign publicly proclaiming the Alberta Hotel in big, bold letters. Now, the Alberta Hotel expanded during the pre-First World War boom years, with a two-story addition to the rear or the south side of the building. This provided more space for its dining facilities and bar service. Upstairs, in both the old and new wings, were the accommodations. More than 20 rooms were housed on the second level. Advertising for the hotel, noting that it, that it catered to especially to stockmen and farmers, 
and their families. It offered the best $1.50 house in the settlement, and that meant $1.50 per night in the room, with a particular emphasis on clean, comfortable room. Locals washing dining service and liquor were pleased that the Alberta offered quality table and bar service. In the early 1900s, good meals were offered. By 1916, the emphasis was on home-cooked meals, meals that could be ordered anytime during the day. Dining room furnishings from the early days included sets of china soup bowls, two of which are preserved at the Pioneer, Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. They were manufactured by Dean's 1910 Limited of the Canadian Tumbler Company of Toronto. In the kitchen was a large wooden chopping block, which is also on exhibit. Situated on the hotel's main floor was the bar, where name brands in wine, liquor and cigars could be purchased and consumed. Early in the 20th century, this service was leased to J.E. Schultz, who operated a wholesale liquor service in the two Alberta hotels in Pincher Creek and Cowley. Folklore indicated that it was a good, booming business. Generations later, in the 1940s and 50s, the Alberta Hotel, while still in the hospitality industry, came up with a unique presentation of business leases that designed to attract further patronage. Independent businesses often were housed on the main level at street front. One was the real estate firm and insurance agency of J.D. One was the real estate firm and insurance agency of J.W. Rutherford, which was located in the Alberta block as early as August 1946. Rutherford's phone number was 163. In the summer of 1953, Fraser's menswear moved into the Alberta Hotel block, occupying the spot formerly leased by Dr. Spielman. Al Engwer set up his own coffee shop, marketed under his given name in the early spring of 1962. It offered full-course meals, light lunches, fountain-fresh beverages, and soft ice cream, operating six days a week from 6 in the morning to 10.30 each evening. The menus and hours were designed to have broad public appeal. Pincher Creek's frontier heritage is represented by part, in part by the pioneers associated with the Alberta Hotel. The facility originally was built and operating by the Connolly family, who were ranchers in the Lundbrook area. Jack Anders Henderson, who built the King Edward Hotel across the street, purchased the Alberta that same year in 1904. and appears that he appointed a business partnership of Fred Collins and liquor wholesaler J.E. Schultz, to take over the active management of the hotel. Henry Mark was served as the hotel's proprietor by the summer of 1910. Previously, he had been the bartender at the King Eddie. Henry and his wife, the former Agnes Peltier, resided on Bridge Avenue to the north of the creek. Six years later, J.E. Aubey, who offered to personally cook the public their homestyle meals, took over the proprietorship. His offer was bound to please patriotic locals of the First World War period, who often came into town for a rousing send-off to the military boys. Now around 1937, the Alberta Hotel was purchased by the husband and wife team of Philip and Elizabeth Klausinski. That family was of German ancestry and had immigrated to Canada, settling in Vancouver in 1905. A dozen years later, they established a farm in the Beaver Mines area, and their purchase of the hotel came with their move into town. During the 1940s and 1950s, the Alberta Hotel was owned and operated by the J.H. Kubisek family. One of their contributions was to offer a good quality coffee shop, well patronized by the locals. Early Alberta Hotel employees also represented that pioneer spirit. Elodia Bolo, 
and Germaine Picard had both worked in 1910 as domestics as housekeeping staff were called back then. Mosley, who was born in Alberta, worked as a waitress in the hotel coffee shop in 1910 and her annual wages came to $300. Mary Legault, the hotel's cook, worked full-time in 1910 earning $600. Of French heritage, she was born in New Brunswick in August 1871. Ontario-born Stanley Whitaker, who was born in April 1877, was a porter at the hotel and earned $120 for 15 weeks of full-time work. John Hall, who had also worked at the Arlington and King Edward Hotels, was a bartender at the Alberta in 1910, and he raked in $600 for that year. The Alberta Hotel was well patronized over the years by locals seeking the good quality accommodations, meals, and liquor. Working men seeking room and board found the Alberta ideal. In 1910, there were no less than a dozen residing there. Most worked in the local business community as carpenters or in real estate or in the area's agricultural industry as farm laborers. Quite often their tenure in the community was temporary, lasting only as long as there was work. For close to 30 years, starting in the 1900s, there was an open ice rink located immediately to the west of the Alberta. It was well utilized by skaters and hockey players and this brought in extra hospitality business for the hotel. L.R. Terrio recalled that as early as 1924, his parents, who ranched south of Pincher Creek, would occasionally come into town for business during the winter. The family had a standing business deal with the Alberta, where L.R. could watch the games from the top window of the hotel. The family would push the bed over to the wall, enabling him to stand out, enabling him to stand on the bed and see out the window. Allier's parents would go shopping while Allier enjoyed the hockey games. So that's the story of the current Alberta Hotel, which still remains in business on Pincher Creek's Main Street. And as Farley has said, it's the last of the big four old-time hotels that were on Pincher Creek. So we may want to treasure the Alberta Hotel as we see the King Edward across the street, unfortunately in rubble from the February fire. So that's the story of hotels in Pincher Creek and, and uh, Lundbrook as well. And thank you for tuning in to Radio KBPV and Farley's Frontier Chronicles. Thank you for listening to Tales of Kootenay Brown Pioneer Village. This episode was researched and written by historians Farley Wood and Gord Tolton. This podcast is recorded and engineered by Gord Tolton. Episodes can be found at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or any other podcatcher. Visit our website at www.kootenaybrown.ca. Kootenay is spelled K-O-O-T-E-N-A-I. Also, visit and join our pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for more information on our museum or even better, Visit us at 1037 Beverly McLaughlin Drive in beautiful Pincher Creek, Alberta.